I'm Haley Grappler, and welcome to my podcast. Today, we have a very special guest from my recent trip to the United States out of his clinic, Total Sports Medicine and Orthopedics in Las Vegas. It's Dr. Roddy McGee. He's an orthopedic surgeon that specializes in sports medicine. Uh, so yeah, in this episode, we discuss his sporting history, uh, getting used to performing surgery, the most common injuries that he treats, the most dangerous sports on the body. Uh, we also touch on the history of uh, ACL surgery and how it's evolved. Um, also, what excites him in the future of medicine, uh, factors that interfere with recovery, why he chose sports medicine and orthopedics, what he learned through his work about people and himself, stem cells and recovery time, uh, order chaos, his foundational principles and cryotherapy. So we talked about a fair bit in this podcast, so I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll catch you later. Us. Anyway, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll just start. Hi guys, I'm Neem Peter Grappler, and welcome to my podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We're uh, from Vegas, where I just had a stem cell treatment with uh, Dr. Roddy McGee, um, who's an orthopedic surgeon and pretty much a Mr. Fix-It um, in, the, in the sports world, I guess. Um, w- welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for, thanks for being on. Um, yeah, I just want to basically start with sort of your history of um, sports you've been involved in, like from sort of growing up and all that sure. sort of stuff. And yeah, I actually grew up here in Las Vegas uh, okay. and primarily played baseball. And uh, then uh, had the chance to play baseball at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City uh, during college. And then obviously wasn't talented enough to continue and, you know, play professionally. So I had to get a job and uh, started to become interested in the injuries and things as a collegiate athlete. Mm. And then, you know, as I learned a little bit more along the way, starting to learn about, you know, how do you approach trying to get things better and there were some, there were some, uh, some big leaps in sports medicine around that time. So you started to see the accelerated rehabs with ACL reconstruction and things like that. So that sort of triggered more interest in me to try to learn more. And basically, each new thing that I learned, you know, raised more questions mm-hmm. that I wanted to be able to answer. And then uh, have been fortunate enough now to uh, have gone through the orthopedic surgery training and sports medicine training, and now, you know living back uh, home where I grew up and uh, having the chance to take care of people that sustain these injuries. Yeah. Well, with the orthopedic surgery, like, like learning it and like, you know, cutting out bodies and stuff, was it, was there ever any, any part where it was like a bit much for you or it was just sort of. Uh, Definitely in the beginning, the first day I remember observing some surgery, I actually had to go in the bathroom Mm. and I was Mm. sweating and I was nauseous and, uh, and it turns out that that's, it's just a pretty normal experience mm. for anybody seeing some of those things for the first time. Yeah. Uh, it's a little crazy how you normalize some of this stuff over time. Uh, but there's still definitely, you know, moments where in the middle of a case, I'll just think, you know, holy cow, like, I can't believe what we do to mm. people. Uh, but then of course, you know, I get the, the benefit of the reward of seeing people getting better and, and getting back to things they enjoy. And so mm. that's, you know what drives me to try to keep finding good things for our patients to yeah. help them get better. Uh, so like, what's the most common injuries or injury that you, you come across? 
you know, uh, in a sports medicine yeah. practice, we see a lot of knee and shoulder. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the most common things I take care of is uh, ACL injury. Uh, and then, you know, the reconstructions and uh, there are some newer techniques where we can do a primary repair of the ligament injury for the right type of injury uh, and in the right patient. Um, and then we see lots of shoulder injuries, especially because we take care of a lot of baseball, me having been a baseball guy, um, see injuries to the biceps tendon and the labrum and the rotator cuff. Mm. Um, and you see, you know, in our sports where there's traumatic injuries, you know, like grappling and, mm. uh, football, American football, things like that, soccer, um, you know, shoulder dislocation is a common injury that ends up needing uh, surgical uh, repair at times. Okay. So, so what's, what sport gives the sort of, I guess, the most hardcore injuries or the worst injuries? Or um, For us, the, the biggest ones are uh, collision sports like American football. Mm. Um, you see a lot in soccer. Um, and then uh, definitely the more that I've had exposure to the mixed martial arts and, and all those types of things, uh, uh, those guys are always getting uh, beat up. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, mixed martial arts is more than just sort of one sport. But So we'll talk about the ACL. Like, there's a new research. I heard Brogan talking about the new ACL research. That yeah, so if, you, if we go back to the, the 60s and 70s where we didn't have the arthroscopic surgeries we do today, they were doing big open surgeries and trying to repair the ACL that was torn, so stitching mm -hmm. it back together. Uh, or reattaching it to either the thigh bone or the shin bone where it had pulled off. And the ones that were torn more in the middle did terrible. Uh, the results were bad. So that's what led to guys developing uh, the reconstruction techniques where we use a graft to replace the ligament. Um, however, in re-reviewing some of that old literature, we found that there was you know, subsets of patients that did really well from that surgery. So it turns out that if you tear it off of one side or the other, that has a good chance to actually heal if you reattach it. Okay. But now we have arthroscopic techniques and instruments uh, that have been engineered to make these things so much easier than it was back when we did a big open mm. procedure. Uh, and it has turned out over the last few years. And, and now we're starting to see the first groups of uh, patients that have been researched and followed and tracked to see who did well and who failed and things like that. Um, and it's very promising. So we've had some experience over the last couple of years with these techniques. And you really see that it's a, it's a much easier recovery. It's a lot uh, quicker getting back into things. It's a lot easier to go through the whole process, which is great. We like that for our patients. But on the other side of it, we want them to do well. We don't want them to have a repeat injury. Mm -hmm. And we're not seeing that either. So the ones that are, you know, detached ligament from the femur or the tibia, those can be, it turns out, uh, that you can reattach that to its original spot and it looks like the body will actually heal. Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, with regards to the what's new in the medical lit, 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 literature, um, what excites you? Like what, um, with what's coming in the future, like with regards to you know oh, robotics, this... stem cells, AI, was well, even oh, science yeah. and like CRISPR technology, and uh, I mean the the things that we're seeing in the regenerative medicine side are uh, really incredible. It's been accelerating the last uh, five years for sure. Um, 
there's currently something like 400 plus clinical trials going on in this area. So okay. uh, we'll be we'll be finding out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you and then you find out dosages and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, well, dosing what, and frequency. I mean, there's, yeah. these are things that are not dialed in. Yeah. And what would the timeline be on those? Years, you know, we're years away from really having great, you know, definitions of any of this stuff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, fair enough. But you know, with like everything else, uh, certainly our uh, our information is going to come faster than it has in the past. Yes, yeah, like an exponential sort of yeah. growth. More people doing it. Yeah. Um, have they? Has anyone done any dietary research? not enough that yeah yeah with the stem cells or biologicals it's really hard to control that and and one of the difficult things with uh any nutrition study is uh, patient reporting Mm. and accuracy yeah so that's and there's so many variables to control um it's hard to know but there's in my own experience it certainly seems like when we also factor in the patient's nutrition or it's a patient that already has decided that that's you know a primary uh, important goal of theirs. Uh, they seem to respond better. Mm. And I, I don't have science to back that up. I don't have data, but just my my general feeling is that I notice those people respond differently. Mm. Yeah, it'd be fascinating if they you know, finally figure that all that out in the future. Maybe For sure, link it all together. Yeah. So like just things like. Um, we mentioned diet, but like stress and psychological and lifestyle choices that, um, are there any of those that sort of encourage injuries or, uh, I don't know so much about encourage, but you certainly see barriers to getting better Mm, when, if, if people have all these other factors that are adding up and interfering with, uh, the potential to get better. So, you know, we try to talk to our patients about some of those things, um, Again, go back to baseball is the area that I have the most experience um, and the most uh, sort of understanding having gone through myself. Um, When we're taking care of those types of athletes, uh, I actually encourage them to read about some of the, you know, the baseball sports psychology books. There's a a book, Heads Up Baseball, uh, and the second version that just came out recently. I give it to all the baseball guys that I treat. Uh, because they usually have a period of downtime where they can't physically train. So, you know, we'll explain to them, look, this is a time that you can make improvements. In this case, we can make improvements in your brain and your mental approach to your game uh, while you can't be performing physically. Uh, And, you know, if we can at least take advantage of that time and be getting better in some way. So I, I think if people took that approach, you know, kind of looking at all the spokes on the wheel, like how can I improve every aspect if I'm trying to get better for my sport, for performance, getting back to performance in the case of a lot of folks that I'm seeing, um, I think if we can attack it from every angle, then we have the best chance to do well. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Cool. And um, and I'm not an expert in all those fields. Yeah, so yeah. Thanks. I can try to steer people in the right direction or give them information or connect mm-hmm. with experts. So we work with a sports dietitian um, who uh, we have our patients talk with. Uh, and you will talk mm-hmm. with uh, uh, soon. Yeah. And uh, just to make sure, you know, are all the things that I'm trying to do, or is this the right track? Or, and, and she's been pretty good about um, counseling people on, you know, what are some of the the myths and things in the media mm-hmm. that you're hearing about, and what, you know, what practically practically can we do to maximize our chance to do well? All right. Cool. Sounds good. So, um, 
do you ever see people exercising um, and just think to yourself, you're doing it wrong and just want to go up to them? So, I mean, my degree is exercise physiology uh, and I actually worked uh, as a trainer in my friend's gym Mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger. And so, yeah, when I'm, if I'm at a, a, you know, a large gym and I'm seeing somebody do something, I I just cringe. (laughs) You want to walk up to them, you know, it's totally inappropriate. You want to go up and go like, please stop doing that. Yeah. Like, uh, otherwise you'll be coming and seeing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so it's like, um, so why, so why did you choose sports medicine and orthopedics? Like you kind of touched on that before. Yeah. I think it really was just kind of the natural progression for me of, uh, things I was interested in, uh, and, you know, wanting to answer questions, you know, my, my own, uh, natural intellectual curiosity pushed me towards that and it's made it so where you know I really don't feel like I'm working when Mm. I'm at work I don't feel like I get up in the morning I have to go to work I'm just doing things I like I'm talking about things I like to talk about Mm. and uh and so I think it that's really just kind of what led to it I I had to get a job in something I found something that I liked and was interested in and and I've been lucky from there to, you know, continue to get the opportunities I had. Yeah, well, you're getting into medical school, getting into an yeah. orthopedic training program, like, you know, these were this was a long road, mm. um, and um, and I've been uh, I've been lucky. Mm. Well, you obviously sort of enjoy it, and it sort of comes comes across, and um, yes, um, would something like um, archery be beneficial for me to? Or in particular for me to do like for recovery but for like rehab sort of thing or would that be probably some well it's a bigger stress it's a so pretty high it skill uh it's a high skill thing number one mm-hmm. um number two uh you know i don't think i would be using that as a part of a rehab program until you were pretty far along down the line okay. uh, just because of the uh you know the strength mm-hmm. and the uh the components to do it well uh what that involves so there's probably a bunch of steps I would do before yeah. I jumped into that, yeah. but you know I wouldn't take that off the table. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, well, so, like, through having your practice here, like, what have you what have you learned about people and yourself, like through uh, through your sports medicine practice? I've learned in the last couple of years since we've really gone down this road with the regenerative medicine treatments. Um, I've met some incredible people. Um, I've been really impressed with how driven uh, a lot of people are, how motivated they are, how dedicated they are. Um, I've really been, I've seen a lot of stuff like that where, you know, I just thought, wow, like I've been really lucky to meet some incredible people that, you know, some people you've heard of their names and some people you never would have. Mm -hmm. They're just, you know, really talented folks that, you know, are, they have a job, but then they're, they're really driven in uh, a particular uh, athletic uh, pursuit. And is there something similar between all those people, like with that, uh, with the drive that they have? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think I think that's it. I think it's, it's that that desire to perform, that competitive nature, um, and the you know the the real willingness to do everything they can to take care of themselves. Yeah, so I've been so impressed like, by that. Well, how do they compare to just the normal? Yeah, makes normal me feel like I need to be working a lot harder yeah. in the gym, <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's always. Like, what am I doing with myself? All these like, people are... How do you find the time to do all that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I wonder. It's hard to do it all. Well, is there any, um, 
like with the athletes you get in, is there any kind of common uh, modalities or beliefs or just things that they do that they all do that they believe in, but like it's not necessarily scientifically proven? Uh, Maybe uh, anecdotally? That's, yeah, like that's a good question. You, you see a lot of people doing things that, um, that they think are helping them. Um, you, you see a lot of people dedicated to a bunch of different kinds of things too. Mm. Not necessarily one thing that I see okay. all of them doing, but everybody has something that they, they're clinging to, okay. you know, something worked mm. or they did something around the time that they also had success. Mm. And so they associate that with mm. it. And so that makes them a believer in it. Yeah. And you can tell them science and you can give them facts and data all you want. But if something that they were doing happened around the time that they had, you know, some uh, sentinel moment in their career, and they're gonna they're gonna stick with it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so it's like, oh, I wear my wear my red undies because I've got a touchdown that day. Yeah, and we we used to say, you know, if you think it helps you, it does. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to touch on sort of uh, concussions and CTE and like. Uh, stem cells be beneficial with that sort of stuff or biological treatments? Or I'm sure that... people are going to try to find out. I mean, if there's something that, you know, we can be doing to uh, minimize the effect, you know, then we're going to want to find out. It's not my particular area of uh, expertise, mm. um, even though it is within sports, uh, but I'm sure there's going to be uh, studies coming out mm. regarding that. Yeah, I don't know for sure if that uh, ultimately will will show to either lessen the effect or mm. decrease the return time or any of that type of thing. But um, it will be interesting to see. Well, what, what kind of, like in general with like your patients, what kind of return time do you do you usually see? Or like just getting back to normal from? Yeah, that it's it's a tough depends. question because it's so, so um, you know, it's so dependent on the type of injury and the, mm -hmm. the specific uh, activity in a sport. Uh, so, you know, you could see like, for example, in a, in a football player that's a defensive guy with a hand fracture, well, we can cast that and pad it, and he can play that day. Mm. Um, you know, a baseball pitcher with a hand injury or a hitter, you know, who's got to grip the bat, mm. there's no chance. Yeah. Like, they're, they're going to have uh, an extended period where they have rehab. Mm. So it depends. Um, in terms of just kind of generally, like, how long does it take for people to see the effect of, uh, an injection like we've done for you, for example, um, it seems like the, uh, the common feedback is that people are noticing something within the first week, uh, a fair amount of improvement within four weeks and then continued improvement for several months after we've treated them. Now that's dependent on a lot of things too. So, you know, I, I tell our patients all the time, if you have pain, we can't just give you an injection and pat you on the back and say, see you later. Like mm. if you're having pain, there's going to be dysfunction in that limb. Mm. You know, you you might have motion restrictions. You might have strength deficits. There's a lot of things that we need to work on and that you'll need in addition to the treatment to get all the way better. So yeah. we have to be, again, that's the whole idea of like attacking it from all angles. Yeah. Like got to make sure we're treating the, the root of the problem as well as the symptoms too. Yeah, the, the mechanical cause of right. the issue. Yeah. Um, so like the joint injection versus IV, IV um, can you talk about the difference 
between the IV injection. I and wish the... I could give fantastic yeah. answers on that. <laughs> it's it's really not known. I mean, there's definitely uh, people that are trying IV treatments. There's places that are doing it. Uh, we certainly have, you know, been able to do it safely in patients that were interested in it. Um, but we don't really know what and how what, what we're attacking at this point, or if you know things are getting to where they need to go. You know, is there is there any issue with the idea of the pulmonary trap? So the the belief that the you put it into the vein, the vein delivers the blood, goes through the you know the heart and the, the pulmonary vasculature, and does it you know does it stay there primarily, or is it able to still get delivered to all the tissue? There's so many questions that are mm-hmm. unanswered. Um, but you know, more and more of these anecdotal stories keep coming back, and mm-hmm. and we keep seeing our patients coming back telling us on things that, frankly, I didn't think had a chance to do well. Um, and they keep giving us good feedback, saying they're doing well, they're back to the things they like, and and other living and, improvements. And in in patients that have tried all kinds of other mm-hmm. treatments, like they're this isn't the first thing they've yeah. tried. You know, tried everything else. And yet they say this has been different. So that's that's what's got our attention. It's like, okay, this there is something different. Yeah. And now, you know, trying to get down to those details is is where we're heading. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other side of it, I think that uh, like I said, if you're if you're just getting an injection and somebody's not addressing all the other things with you or even evaluating it, um, you know, then I think uh, you're missing the chance to do as well as mm-hmm. you could. Uh, another thing too, is that, uh, we get lots of patients contacting us asking about specific things where, uh, in my mind, for sure, this is a, this is a surgical issue. Like Mm. we shouldn't be talking about just giving you an injection and playing to the idea of preventing you from having to go through a surgery because, you know, there's certain things that are just, they're mechanical Mm. problems and they, they need a mechanical solution. Yeah. If a tendon is torn off the bone and it's separated from its attachment, you can't just inject something and have it migrate back over and reattach. I mean, that doesn't make sense. At least not in 2018. We don't have that capability, I don't believe. Uh, so we get lots of questions about things where I have to advise patients or tell them, like, look, I, I don't think this is the right thing. Like, I, I don't think I should do that to you. Uh, and if anybody else is advising you that you should, I think you should, you know, get even another opinion and, and be sure that, uh, you know, this is ultimately the best thing for you. Okay. Um, another question that I ask all my guests is, um, how have you found order in times of chaos? Like, um, you know, there's the, there's the good and the good and the dark within us all and, um, th- through injuries and through, um, uh, even seeing like some of your patients and through surgery, like, uh, is there been um, any times where you face challenge and anything you've learnt from that, like in your life? Well, yeah, all the time. I mean, we have complications with our patients, and it's very difficult to go through. Uh, you know, the, even with all of our training, preparation, everything we do, uh, you can technically do something well in that day of surgery and the patient can fail mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to uh, handle number one because obviously we want our patients to do well um, so you know at, in those times we try to be forthcoming with the patient let them know first of all ahead of time you know 
what the potentials are mm. for the outcome and have them prepared for that. And then, uh, you know, when things don't go perfectly, you just have to talk to them, be honest, give them options, let them know, you know, how we can go about it and just give them as much information as possible so they can get what they need. Yeah. But that it's very tough. Yeah. But honesty is the most important thing. And, yeah. Um, so uh, what, what um, foundational principles have you had since you were um, since you were a child or something you've always believed in? And is there something that you used to believe in that you've sort of had to sort of throw away because it, <laughs> you, you were mistaken? Uh, yeah, I think the main, you know, foundational belief is that if you have uh, uh, effort towards something that, you know, you can get to whatever goal is that you're trying to set. Um, and, you know, taking large things, breaking them down into small segments and then in a stepwise fashion, just working your way towards it. Mm. Um, things that I believed in that now I'm not sure about, I, I don't know. Like I haven't, uh, I'm sure there is a bunch of things like that. I don't know that I've given that a ton of thought. But, oh, fair um, enough. Uh, and was there another question in there that uh, as a part uh, of that? Oh, just sort of how, how they've evolved or like just changing, like how you sort of change your mind. Mm, yeah, well, uh, it occurs all the time in orthopedic surgery because as, you know, new information or new idea gets presented, then you know, things that we previously believed to be, you know, dogma or, mm. you know, uh, clear fact, you know, kind of gets turned on its head. So yeah. like the idea yeah. of, you know, repairing the, the ligament, uh, the ACL, like, I mean, 10 years ago, we would have said, you know, you shouldn't do that to people. Mm. And now that I've actually gone through it with my own patients and seen them succeed, do you think, wow, I guess, you know, we just weren't looking at it, you know, through the right lens at that time. Um, so yeah, as, as new information comes about yeah. all the time that kind of changes your perspective and uh, you just try to stay current with it. And, and, you know, on the other side of that, we don't take every new thing and just, you know, leap fully in on that until we've, you know, established that if we're going to try something new or bring something a, a little bit of a different uh, aspect to the, how we care for people, uh, you want to choose the right person uh, where, the, the safety is very high and the risk is, you know, acceptable for both me and the patient. So uh, I'll give you an example. The first patient that I did the ligament repair on, uh, he was a high school kid who was hurt in the spring. And so to do the reconstruction on that, on his knee injury would have meant he would have missed that season's football, uh, football games. So we talked about the possibility of the repair technique and the fact that, okay, this could give you a chance to play this year. So, and if it fails, then, and we have to do uh, the reconstruction technique, well, you, you still would miss this year, but you'd still be ready for the following mm -hmm. year. So if we do the reconstruction now, you're gonna play next year, not mm -hmm. this year. If we do the repair, you might play this year. And if it doesn't work, then we'll still have you ready for the yeah. next year. So it was a it was a calculated gamble mm -hmm. uh, to some degree. I mean, we felt strongly about the, you know, the the science behind the idea of doing the repair. Uh, but in that particular case, it was acceptable risk because um, it was going to give him a chance for you know one extra season of football. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Good, good calculation. Yeah. Um, 
So just with regards to my hand, like when I first came in, I was hoping to get stem cells in the in the wrist as well as the elbow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you took a look at the X-rays and the scans and said no, it's too far gone. So with um, so like, what does my hand compare to? Like, have, like have you seen similar sort of injuries in the past, or is it more yeah. just the like from the arthritis, or is it does it look a bit worse? No, I mean I think you've got swelling and you've got limits in your motion because of the amount of arthritis that's in that mm-hmm. wrist, and uh, less space. I don't know that it would be beneficial to do the injection in your case that's Mm. that's a good example of where sometimes we say okay maybe this could offer you some pain relief maybe it you know could be of some benefit but i don't anticipate that it could improve Mm. your motion dramatically and it's certainly at this stage we don't you know have the the belief that it could help grow cartilage back and Mm. create that joint space that that we would see or would have seen in your wrist many years ago yeah um now, I don't particularly see a lot of wrist arthritis uh, just because it's not the focus of my practice. But, um, you know, I, I've seen plenty of wrists that look that bad and quite a bit worse. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, just, and just finally, um, with regards to cryotherapy, I saw in like your pamphlets, one of the uh, rehab things was cryotherapy. Sure. Um, can you explain the effects of cryotherapy and whether or not heat? versus cold yeah so this there's a there's a lot of people debating about this Mm -hmm. uh or you know how effective can the cryotherapy be i mean we've used these modalities forever and i've used them on plenty of things for myself i personally uh believe in using ice and other forms of cryotherapy Mm -hmm. Uh, now for an acute injury we know that uh we know that uh there may not be benefit for an extended period after it happens. Um, but I personally just, I believe in using it. I believe in, you know, mm. that it can be beneficial, even if it's just for a little bit of pain mitigation, then, you know, I'm in favor of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So that's pretty much it. Cool. So, Did we get it all? Yeah. All right. Thanks. thanks. And yeah, we'll be in touch. Alrighty guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Dr. McGee as much as I enjoyed doing it. So thank you Dr. McGee for allowing me the pleasure. Um, Yeah, so be sure to check out Dr. McGee's links in the description below as well as my links to my social media. Um, Yeah, be sure to leave a like, follow, subscribe and share. Leave a comment down below. Um, Also, keep an eye out on my YouTube page. I'll be posting a few videos uh, soon including one of the stem cell treatment. Uh, a video rolling with Hannah Gracie and some other rolling videos as well. So uh, keep your eyes out on that and thanks for watching. Peace.